Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, Book Lights listeners. I know it's Tuesday instead of Monday, right? If you were here yesterday, I was having such a great time chatting with Kathy Reichs who is the author of the Bones books. And so anyway, I got so carried away chatting with her that I forgot to even mention that I had a new book out yesterday. Um, Pirate's Promise came out yesterday. And uh, Circle of Seven, who runs Readers Entertainment Radio, is owned by author Sheila Clover English. And she said, well, I'll be your guest host and I'll come on and, and we'll, we'll talk about the immortal pirates. And I said, oh my gosh, that would be so fun. And so tonight we are going to do that, hopefully. Sheila isn't here yet because, of course, she She's having internet issues, right? These kind of things always happen. But anyway, so I told her, well, I will vamp until you get here. So hopefully she will be here any minute. Um, if you haven't read my books before, um, they are set in Savannah, Georgia. And the Immortal Pirates came about because I was invited to write for an anthology and it ended up being that I came up with a series set in Savannah because my grandmother was born there. And I thought, I've been there a few times, and I thought, gosh, I would love to write a pirate book that's not historical. And that's when it all came together because I realized, well, what if some pirates found the Holy Grail. What if one of the ships they plundered had the Holy Grail on it and they all sipped from it and now they're still alive in Savannah. So the Sentinels of Savannah series was born. And Pirate's Promise is actually book five, but you can jump in right there. It stands alone. So um, it's the, they now steal for the federal government for a secret department called Department 13 that protects Americans from paranormal threats. So that's the story of the series and how it came to be. And I think Sheila is trying to get in here. Let me double check. Uh, I'm sorry, this is the this is the strange part of the show because I'm trying to figure out if I can get her in here. She apparently does not have internet, but she's going to try and just call in on her phone. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) thank you guys for sticking with me. I'm sure that she's going to have fabulous questions rather than me um, just trying to wing it here. But I will tell you that Pirates Promise, they are searching for the mythical Tearfing sword. It comes from Norse mythology, and it's quite the adventure. Ah! I think Sheila's here. Let me see if I can get her I am, on. I am. Sheila, yay! <laughs> you made it. Um, <laughs> I was sorry. telling everyone. I was telling everyone internet issues always pop up at the worst times. <laughs> oh, I'm. I swear. And of course, you know, it's like I, I, I'm. I'm so. I, I really wanted to call in, and it's like, okay, my internet's not working. I can call in. What's the number again? <laughs> I just failed on every stinking level. <laughs> well, 
Well, I did my best to just vamp until you got here, so we we got it done. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're so, seasoned pros at this know, podcast thing, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I I just I have to say I just purchased Pirates Promise today. I bought it today. Oh, thank you. And, um, well, you know, I love the, the Sentinels of Savannah. I, I, you know, I think that it's a fantastic series. It's such an original idea. It's like, you know, you, you, you've got a lot of tried and true themes that, that people have done really well with, you know, Christine Pian's, you know, Carpathians. You get the vampire thing going on. And, you know, shapeshifters, which you, you write as well. And, uh, you know, but Immortal Pirate. It's like, oh, that's so unique. It's just like a slam dunk to me. You know, just uh, I don't know anybody else doing anything like it. And it's sexy and you're invested in everyone. And and I love that you can read them, you know, as standalones, but they still carry over with characters that you love and – you know, it's it's like you've got the trifecta of a, a great series going on. So, well, thank you so much. You know, <laughs> yeah, I have so much fun yeah, writing them. So, yeah, I, I just started it, and uh, I've only gotten to where, I mean, I just got it, and I got to where she realized who she's being partnered with. And she was not happy. That was over. Yeah, she was. She's not happy about that. And I thought it was funny because at first she was like, "Oh no, you know, I'll do it." Blah blah blah. And and then she opens up the pass, the second passport, and it's like, "No, there he is." Right, right. I'm so mean. You are, but that's such a, you know, it's, it's, it's so great because I'm already kind of invested in it. You know, it's like, okay, this is, I don't know how that's going to go. That's going to be explosive. You know, what happens right. when you have a, a, a sexy, immortal pirate who is also a weapons expert that you're going to have to depend on because you've just been partnered with, but you just, you know, he's like the last guy you would have picked to partner with. So I am interested in how this is going to play out. Yes. Well, the book was fire because I love enemies. Enemies to lovers is like one of my favorite romance tropes. They're just, there's always so Mm -hmm. much tension, but this one had the added perk of that, they were going to have to go undercover to try and find this tearfing sword that can cut through any material. So it's very dangerous, and it somehow got stolen out of the Department 13 relics vault. And so anyway, in order to to make the connection with the person advertising it on the dark web, they have to pose as husband and wife. And so that just made the enemies to lovers that much <laughs> cranked it up that much because 
<laughs> because she really doesn't like him. And he quickly doesn't like her either because she's such a pill and they have to pretend to be a couple. And um, it was just, it was very fun to write, but I hope it's just as addictive to read because <laughs> it was, it was really fun. Well, the whole series is really fun. And the whole idea is, is super fun. So tell me, how did you come up with this idea? Um, so the RT Book Reviews Book Conference, remember that they used to have every year, um, I got invited to be part of a group of authors when it was in Atlanta uh, to write these novellas that were going in an RT anthology, and they all needed to be set in the South and, and hopefully in Atlanta. Although I'd been to Atlanta many times, um, it's a very big city, and I just thought, well, I, I love Savannah, and my grandmother's from there, and I thought maybe I could write something set in Savannah, and I'll put the bad guy in Atlanta. So Atlanta is included. So the ex-captain of the Sea Dog, um, Flynn, oh, Ian Flynn, owns um, Flynn Properties in Atlanta, and they buy up commercial real estate and make hotels and things. And so I put him in Atlanta. <laughs> so I got to leave the pirates in Savannah because it was a big pirate um, port back in the 1700s, 1800s. And so I thought, well, if that's their favorite port and they drank from the Holy Grail, maybe they're still there. And so they are, and the crew all has – different businesses and one of my favorite crew members is the cook one-eyed bob and one-eyed bob was inspired by my grandfather bob <laughs> and anyway he uh <laughs> one-eyed bob owns a seafood restaurant in savannah and he has a founder's wall because he was the oldest crew member so every time people start to notice that they're not aging they have to fake their death and then come back. And one of them, who was the um, Botswin on the on the ship, he takes care of everyone's bookkeeping and he sets up trusts for them so that when they die, they come back and inherit it. And so, but Bob has to do it more often than anyone else because he's already older. And so he made a founder's wall in the restaurant and every single relative of Bob is all missing the same eye and they're all up the pictures on the wall and no one, everyone in Savannah is too polite to ask. So every time he comes back, he'll have a glass eye or a patch or a different kind of patch, but they're all him. And so I have so much fun in the books, usually at some point. Um, whoever the heroine is will discover that they're immortal and all this, and, and they always discover Bob's founder's wall. And everybody looks at it and goes, I can't believe nobody. And they said, well, Savannah is a quirky place, and you expect weird things, and you are too polite to ask. So so anyway, it's very fun. So, yeah, and I, I, love, I love that you do have some humor in here. And... Um, and I love the, the all the characters. Like you feel invested in them, all, you know, like they're a family. Yeah, and that's always readers, my goal. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and I think readers readers are looking. This is my own opinion. I think readers are looking for established series 
that has the romance and the hope and a little bit of levity and and the, the conflict. And that's kind of how all of your series are. You know, mm-hmm. you have the, your, the muse. The, uh, yeah, the, the muse, muse chronicles. chronicles. You know, and which which would you say is kind of your more uh, serious series? Um, the darkest of them is the night series. It's vampires and, um, and there's lots of, uh, it's not, I don't want to say it's gritty. It doesn't take place in the city, but there is a lot of life and death in that series and blood and, and anyway, so the night series, definitely the darkest of them. And, um, and my werewolf series, all of my series, there's always a lot, lots of high body count in all of my series, but usually, yes, yes, there is always lots of peril. Um, when, when my kids were smaller and I was writing, whenever I would get stuck, I used to remind my daughter that it's time to raise the body count because nothing brings the tension back like a dead body. Um, (laughs) So there is a high body count in my books, but the the pirates though the adventure is always so big, and there's usually a little comedy because there is one-eyed Bob the cook, and he always lightens things up. Um, so I try to always make there's I don't know I don't like it to all be dark. I I like to have lighter moments just to lighten it up and. And usually I try to make my characters be a little bit flawed, imperfect. Nobody is, you know, nobody Uh is perfect. And so there are always times where, you know, they do something stupid or they say something dumb or, you know, they just make mistakes like normal people. And I try to, you know, have light moments like that. It's usually when they're falling in love that, you know, there's a moment where you're like, oh, <laughs> whoops, that wasn't smooth. <laughs> so. so with your Sentinels of Savannah series, how, how would you describe the the sexiness factor? Like how sexy do these get? Um, they all are open door, open bedroom door, so they're all pretty sexy. Um, and it's interesting because I'm – I I don't write like erotic romances. They're they're sexy and everything, and they're open door. But it's always funny to me how the characters all handle that differently. So sometimes I'm like fanning myself writing these books, and other times it's like, <laughs> oh, that was that was good. But you know, but anyway, this one um, definitely had some fanning going on. Um, at one point, she thinks the ship is sinking, and Grayson realizes that they've been through worse storms and yes, they are pumping water out of the bilge of the ship, but he knows they're not going to sink and she does not. And she figures that this is my last moments on earth. <laughs> so anyway, it had some, it was the, um, was it the first time there was sex on the ship? Uh, I don't know. I think so. But anyway, this is definitely the first time there was sex on the ship while they were sinking. Um, so even though the books take place, even though the books take place now, every book at least has has one part of it where they're on the ship, just because to me that's the piratey part of it. Um, but this one, they actually have to sail all the way to Scotland, so there is a lot of ship time um, in Pirates Promise. So. Um, 
So anyway, but it was, this one was fan myself, see me. Um, they, they just had so much chemistry, so much of the love, hate, you know, and it was just, they were, they were pretty fiery. There was a lot of chemistry and it surprised me how much heart um, I cried writing this book so many times, which surprised me because I wasn't expecting it. I expected them to have chemistry, but I, I wasn't expecting all the heartbreak, um, but I do promise happy ending at the end, but man, they had to earn it, that book. <laughs> so what, what would you say is your favorite part of writing this book? Um, definitely, uh, the two of them together, there were scenes in this book that were just, oh, they were magic to write. They were so fun. Um, and in my head, I, I wish the series would like be a TV series or a movie or something, just because a lot of the scenes are giant and they're on this pirate ship, even though now they have GPS and they have cell phones and and all this kind of thing, it's still a really big um, story. And in this one, when they had to sail to Scotland to go try and get this sword back, uh, there was a scene where they decide they're going to do some target practice because both of them are weapons experts. And he has been firing weapons since the 1700s. And she has been working with mythical, legendary weapons that most people wouldn't believe existed, like the Tearfing Sword. And so uh, they, they really have this pissing contest going at one point with the um, target shooting. And finally they get done they're both excellent shots with a glock and with regular guns so he pulls out the old flint <laughs> flintlock pistols and then she wows him because she's really good at it she goes this is the first ancient <laughs> pistol i've fired and so anyway they just went back and forth and back and forth and that was the moment really that they both respected each other and they both had this thing in common that they love that most people you know they they haven't met another person who's excited about an ancient pistol and and all that and so there was this mutual appreciation for a moment before she remembered that you know she's she's just here for a job job only and and that's it but that was really the scene where I realized, oh, okay, this is going to be good. Um, <laughs> because they they had that one moment where they really connected and they're like, whoa. <laughs> so, and uh, so anyway, I had to keep forcing them together after that, but that was really a fun, a fun scene. Also in this book, um, most of the other pirate books, each of the pirates all have a job on the ship. So, the um, pilot of the ship who holds the wheel and steers, he had a book and he now uh, is lead singer in a rock band and all this. But but having the master gunner, this was the first time I ever got to fire the cannons in the book. Oh, that yeah. was so fun. <laughs> so anyway, we fire cannons, we shoot guns. It was it was very fun. Um, fun book with all of the weapons the next book that I just turned in is the navigator so I had to learn all about <laughs> telescopes uh, and lightning and and you know it was 
crazy. It's funny. I don't know if readers know how much research goes into a book, you know, and suddenly I need to be an expert on how you direct lightning on a ship out in the Atlantic. You know, I'm looking things up. I'm like, why do I write things about stuff I don't know about? (laughs) But, um, but I'm sure we all do it. You know, we're like, Oh yeah, she's a chef and I can't cook. What? (laughs) Well then, and and I think people don't realize you, you might read three books about navigation and get three lines into the book about it. Exactly. You know, I think people don't, don't – yeah, it's like, yeah, you have to be an expert so that you don't say the wrong thing. So all of that expertise, is it, it's in your brain, not necessarily on the page. Right. So, yeah. Now, I, I'm going to read just a, a tiny, teeny, tiny little bit out of this book, and then I'm going to ask you a question about it. So give me okay. just a second. Since, all right. This was no time for her. This was no time to lose her shit. Knowing what lurked in the shadows and what was truly at stake for the world if she failed at Department 13 was a burden she could barely carry, but she did it every damn day. So I would like for you to tell us a little bit about Department 13. (laughs) I love Department 13. Um, In my head, Department 13 reminds me of if you are a big Angel fan of Wolfram and Hart, you know, the lawyers from from Buffy uh-huh. Angel Universe, the law firm. Um, Department 13 has been around since our country began, and they have this underground vault of these, um, you know, relics that could hurt Americans kind of thing, and Abraham Lincoln knew about it. And anyway, so they've been around a really long time, and the directors of Department 13 um, have these, herbs that are from a mixture of the balm of Gilead, the the uh, fountain of youth and something else. And they, so the director lives a really long time. They don't age. And, but Aura, our heroine in this book came from the NYPD and she had this, I don't want to spoil it because you'll find out in the book, but she had this experience that made her leave the NYPD and she kind of got obsessed for a while in what else lurks in the shadows besides humans. Cause she had this experience. So she, now she knows there's more than just humans out here. And anyway, the more she dug into it, she, she tripped off one of the um, shaman programmers in department 13. And he kind of nudged agent Bale that this person might be a good agent for the department and they brought her in and as soon as she got in there and learned about all of the you know beings that exist because department 13 is well aware that shifters and demons and angels and all these other beings exist including the immortal pirate crew and they keep tabs on all of that and they collect all of these relics that could hurt somebody and they lock them in the vault. And when Aura found out all of this, all that obsession she had from the fear of what had happened with the police force, 
really made her all about her work. She's so devoted to it that she's lost contact with her family. She no longer dates. She she lives and breathes the job because she feels like since nobody else knows these things exist, I'm the front line to keep everyone safe. And she's only human. So, um, so anyway, she, she came into it very focused and her last, um, undercover for the department was in Pirates Persuasion, which is the book before. And she was undercover in a dark witch coven, uh, and trying to find the figurehead of Davy Jones's ship of the Mm -hmm. Flying Dutchman. And she, um, Grayson, our hero in this book, came in to save his friend and blew her cover and almost got them both killed. So that's why she hates him and doesn't want to work with him. But she also felt like she let the department down because she blew her cover. And so this this trip to find that sword is for her redemption in her eyes. None of the department blames her for it, but she, in her own eyes, she thinks that she has failed them. And so she was a really interesting character to write. I, I, I have, I don't know, a handful of heroines that I'm like, dang, she's kick-ass. And anyway, she is definitely up there in the top two. She is very kick-ass and, um, and she's just very driven and she didn't know how else to be. It kind of took over her life. So it was really fun to see her get a happy ending and see that there's more to life than just work. <laughs> well, I'm going to read another just real quick one. I know we don't have a lot of time, but I think, I think people, you know, it's like, I wish I could just get them to read the first chapter. They would just read the first yes. chapter, you know, you know, um, so I'm going to read this one real quick. It says, Grayson shouted from the top, keep your eye on your destination, not your doom. Eyes up. Andy tipped. She sucked in a deep breath and forced herself to look up at Grayson. She found her steady pace again until she neared the top. Grayson reached out his hand. I'll pull you up. She stretched her arm, and he caught her in, in a firm grip. The touch sent a ripple of awareness all the way down to her toes. Okay. It had been way too long since she'd been on a date. I loved that. I just totally loved it. You know, I love those when, even when there's other stuff going on and it's interesting, but you just can't wait until they're together again. You know, just that. Right. There's just something electric between them, you know. For sure. And, uh, and, I, love, and I love that. But, but now tell us a little bit about Grayson. And his, like, what do you think attracted him to her? Or what do you think he found attractive about her? Well, Grayson was the um, master gunner on the ship, which means he was in charge of all the weapons and all the cannons and, and all that kind of thing. And he now owns his own security company, personal security company. So he does bodyguard jobs for people. And throughout the series, he's been a side character, but his his story really is that his crew is his family and his life. So he has, he has, 
he's, you know, no angel. He definitely goes out and has his little one night stands when he wants, but he's not really looking for a relationship or looking for anyone. He feels very fulfilled with his crewmates and his business and the ship. And that's all that matters. And he, you know, being that they live forever, he's just not interested in that kind of thing, but he has never met anyone like this woman who can like, keep up with him in every way as far as the weapons go. And it just sort of blows his mind. And then he also sort of feels bad that he blew her cover, but every time he tries to make it up to her, she like <laughs> busts his balls. So, he, so, so anyway, he tries really hard to be over it, but she's so determined that it really, he, he just has never met anyone like her before and it changes everything for him and the book's called pirate's promise because he makes he makes a point of promising her that even though you treat me like this and you make me nuts i promise you you will get that sword back and he will sacrifice everything under the sun to keep his word and so he was um i i just loved writing him he he was a tough cookie but he was a man of his word, even though he's a pirate. And you find out more in the book about why that is. So, but he was fun. So what do you hope people will love most about this book? Uh, well, I hope that they love Grayson and Aura. I really had an amazing time writing the book, and there were so many twists and turns in it that I never saw coming, which is my favorite part of writing because I'm not a plotter. So when the twists and turns come, no one's more surprised than me. Um, but this one <laughs> really had a lot of them. And there was one line in this book that still sticks with me to this day, and it actually wasn't from either of them. It was a side character who was talking to Aura. And she looks at her and tells her, love doesn't make things easy. Love makes things worthwhile. And that really, I was like, pow, that's like the whole thing about the book. You know, loving somebody doesn't mean that things are suddenly going to be easy. It just means when you face the hard things, it's going to be worthwhile. And that was, was huge for me. So that made the whole book worthwhile. <laughs> I hope, I hope people oh, I do that. enjoy it. <laughs> well, I I um I love that your guys are manly men. I know there are a lot of people who like um more kind of beta heroes. That's that's just kind of popular in in some themes. And um, but your guys are definitely these these are you know they're they're immortal they've been around a, for a long time back when men were men and and um and so they're still pretty alpha what do you think like on an alpha level describe kind of how you like to write your heroes well i like my heroes to be rough and tumble uh but i like them to also not be um I'd like them to not be threatened by a strong woman. I think uh, that alpha thing is a tough line to, you know, balance on yeah. because I'm not, I'm not a fan of the alpha hole. You know, if you're an asshole to right. the heroine, I have a really hard time ever forgiving you. Um, so I, 
I, I like my guys to be rough around the edges. I like them to have no trouble going that's too far for me. Um, but I, I also like them to appreciate all the things this woman can do. And I hate it when they start bossing them around. Um, so I, that makes my heroines bristle. I don't do that. Um, so, so I guess on an alpha scale, I would think that mine are, you know, if it's a scale of one to five, that mine are like three, they're somewhere in the middle because I, I really don't like them to be so in charge that the woman can't speak. And when she does, she's wrong I I, that just really annoys me so they're not that far but they are not afraid to put everything on the line for a woman that they respect and so that's usually the trajectory of it for me they they come in tough but they end even stronger because they have a partner yeah I like that I do like that and I like it when a man is strong enough because you're right about the alpha hole. You know, nobody likes. Right. I don't. I guess I shouldn't say nobody. I don't. I don't particularly care for that. But I like it when a guy is is alpha enough to not feel threatened by a strong woman who's also alpha. Yes. Yes. I, like, there like we he, go. He's completely okay with that. I agree. I agree. That's my that's my catnip. I I like that very much. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, somebody so, who will toss her a gun. Guys, and... <laughs> yeah, yes. So I'm bumping your guys up to a four with the understanding <laughs> that they're alpha enough to accept an alpha woman and like it. There we go. All right. I can agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, you don't have internet, so you don't know that we we just ran over the 30 minutes. So um, we probably need to, like, wrap things up, unless you want to just talk all night, because I could totally chat with you all night. <laughs> I know, right? Well, you know, I, I, I just wanted to make sure I read a little bit out of out of this. I, I, I totally love this series, and you know, Pir- Pirate's Promise is, is out. Definitely pick it up. If you've never tried it, uh, it, it can be a standalone. If nothing mm-hmm. else, those people who want to try something new, seriously, just just check out that first chapter and see if it can't hook you. And, and that, I think that goes for any of those books, any of them. It's such a solid, uh, a solid series. It's one of those, you know, you read, most readers I know like to start from book one, so those right. who can't read this book because it's not book one, that's okay. These are, I can promise you. Here's my promise. All of these books are fantastic. Take a little sample and thank me later. Oh, thank you, Sheila. Yeah, they're super fun. And right now, book one is free. And book two is only 99 cents because the publisher is trying to lure you in um, for this book. So I think that sale goes on till the end of July. So go grab them quick now, and then you can, can just the, dive in. Is that on Amazon? Um, where can I get it for free? Yeah, they're available everywhere. And so the free Magnolia Mystic is free everywhere. And Pirate's Passion is the second book. And it is 99 cents everywhere. 99 cents. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm telling people, do yourself a favor. Get that. I mean, it's free. You're, all you have to do is invest your time, and then you can still that's come and right. pay me. 
<laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Thank Sheila, you. for coming on and doing this. This was so fun. I miss you. <laughs> I know. Hopefully well, we'll see each so other much. soon. Sounds good. Bye. Thanks, Sheila. Thanks for joining Bye. us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.